My son says Quebec. Episode 13 of Major Revisions. I'm John Walter, and here with me is Grace Wilkinson of Iowa State University. How you doing, Grace? Aloha, John. I'm doing well. Thanks. Aloha. Wow. I like that. Uh, and also, Jeff Atkins from Virginia Commonwealth University is here, too. How things going, Jeff? Going great, John and Grace. Nice to hear you guys' voice. Excellent. Well, recently, two of us have taken some cool trips. Um, I haven't, but but Grace and Jeff have. So why don't you guys update me on your travels and some of the meetings you've been attending in the last few weeks? <laughs> Grace, you had the headliner. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened at Aslo? Oh, man. Okay. Um so I was at the ASLO, which is Association for the Sciences of Limnology and Oceanography meeting. It was our aquatic sciences meeting in Honolulu, Hawaii. And we were in uh, Waikiki Beach, which I've got to say is not the greatest place in the world. <laughs> but Hawaii is a really awesome place. Um, and this was a bringing together of oceanographers and limnologists and an attempt to bridge the salty divide, which always goes somewhat well. And, uh, yeah, we actually, we had a really cool focus in the meeting, um, besides the science that was happening where Aslo came out and they created a, um, harassment policy as, um, for both at meetings and how we want our members to treat each other. Because I think you guys have probably seen, there's been a lot in the news recently, right? About, um, harassment in the sciences and how to make our science more welcoming and our field more welcoming. And so there was a really cool focus at the meeting about that. Lots of great discussions about how we make everyone feel welcome to our field. Um, and I, th- I got to say, probably the best of that was we had a plenary speak um, speech on Monday from Marsha McNutt, who if you don't know who Marsha McNutt is, she is the president of the National Academy of Sciences right now. Cool. And yeah, very cool. she gave us a really awesome <clears throat> plenary yeah, about um, how to make our field more welcoming and whether or not the way that um, we don't address harassment and we don't address issues in our field that are more about, uh, that are professional and interpersonal issues means that maybe we're not selecting for the best and the brightest, but we're selecting for just the most stubborn and those who are willing to see it through. And those are good traits to have as well, but we also want to make sure that we're continuing to include the best and the brightest and not just the most stubborn and the strongest. Well, that's really cool. Did you guys, um, what were some of the ways that you worked to implement that at the meeting? Yeah. So some of the things that we have, um, Aslo has created a policy. We're currently having it vetted by our lawyer right now. Um, to It's essentially our code of conduct at meetings and our code of conduct for our members. So if any of our members are, say, brought up on um, harassment charges at their university and those are seen through, they will no longer be welcome to be a member of Aslo anymore. We will rescind their membership and block them from further membership or attending any meetings. Um, and so really want, taking steps to make our among our membership, what we can do, but we've also are starting to, um, working on encouraging field sites to take steps. There was a study done a number of years ago, uh, probably about two to three now, um, demonstrating that sexual harassment is a huge issue at field sites and in field sciences. And we felt as a scientific society, it was our job to step up and say, this isn't okay and provide some leadership on how to fix this. And then on top of that, in addition to that, we also had uh, lots of great student workshops um, at this meeting. I thought so in particular. We had a bystander intervention intervention training. So when you see harassment happening at a meeting or at a field site or in your university or whatever institution you're at, how do you intervene to help that person and to stop that harassment? 
we had um, discussions about diversity and inclusion and about mostly about our implicit biases that we all have and recognizing those and how we can work to fight against those. And so in addition to all this really awesome science that was happening all week, I think we had a really great building of community as well. So I'm really excited about that. And that's really cool. It's exciting to see a society take a lead on doing stuff like that. Um, I hope that other um, other relevant societies will um, will consider doing similar things. Yeah, me too. And and we're also I gotta say we're taking our lead. Um, the Entomology Society of America, so the other ESA, um, <laughs> has been doing a great job at leading this as well. And so we've been able to share lots of tools and resources back and forth and see what they've been up to. And so I think it's it's growing in its popularity. Um, or at least in its awareness. And like you said, I hope a lot of other societies take it on too. Yeah, Thank I mean, so, I would, I would so, hope yeah. so. This is like a win-win. Like, I don't see I don't see a downside to this at all. Like, we definitely need to do this. So it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was so great to have the plenary be right there Monday morning, front and center, sort of a confrontation of this issue. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that, coupling that with you know a lot of workshops and stuff that seem like they're more targeted at students and earlier career folks is a good way to kind of send the message that this is something that matters it matters across whole swaths of the the society and and our field um so i think that i think that was that was well thought out yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think our, our leadership did a great job at doing that. And I hope we can continue this momentum as well and help it catch fire with others. So maybe we can help institute something at the Ecological Society of America, the other ESA as well. So as Jeff, how about your trip? Uh, yeah. Sorry. As someone who's a member of both the Entomological Society of America <laughs> and the Ecological Society of America... I'm always confused as all hell. <laughs> isn't like isn't like the European Space Agency and like the other other ESA? Yeah, I don't really have much of a shot at joining that, but if there are bugs in space, you could join all three. Or if I start getting deeper into remote sensing, maybe I'll uh, <laughs> join all three ESAs and then really just be really up a creek. Space bugs, man. Space bugs. Yeah, so... You'll um, never know when you've renewed your membership. <laughs> I still don't know when I've renewed my membership some things. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of that, yeah, I was in uh, in uh, in the UK for um, a meeting, a special meeting of the Royal Society called the uh, Terrestrial Laser Scanning, the, the Revolution, or something like that. It had a very long title, and I don't know if we ever all agreed on what it actually was. But the idea was to basically bring together, you know, from what's effectively still a nascent field, right? Like some of the preeminent literature from this is not even a decade old yet. And um, basically to try to bring together everyone who's working with terrestrial uh, LIDAR in particular, the um, uh, light detection and ranging applications, um, particularly focused on like terrestrial scanning LIDAR, right? Instead of the aerial LIDAR systems. And... Um, those and also kind of at the nexus of ecology and forestry. <clears throat> this is a relatively new technology that you know had a lot of promise when it came out, you know, ten fifteen years ago. Um, and a lot of people like initially really seized on to this, like, oh, we have you know, this system basically gives us you know, it's really high spatial resolution measurements within you know within forest and grasslands and across ecosystems, and just think of all that we can do with this. And you know, very quickly, you know, a lot of people realized there was a huge, steep learning curve um, with a lot of the data that came out of this. It's just like a just massive data dump, and you know, there's been a lot of people recently kind of pushing forward on that, moving to um, try to actually get something you know, that we can actually use out of this. And so it was nice to kind of have a lot of these people in the same room, like the people who had first built, you know, quantitative structural models, right? Like taking these because LiDAR gives you like these point clouds, right? Just all the little measurements and returns and taking and building like individual tree models out of that. Uh, there was a group out of Oxford who was using this to map surface area of trees 
to be able to calculate like woody respiration. Um, there's a great bunch of folks from the University of College London who are really working at the forefront of you know basically pushing the boundaries of this work as well. Um, you know, mapping like huge like six hectares of forest, like you know the most extensive area ever mat, uh, mapped, and seeing what you can do with that. And then you know, there's people all over. Um, you know, like 50, 60 people. So it was nice to have like this really kind of small community and have everybody like in that one room and um, see what everyone was working on and also how, you know, some of the NASA missions that are going to be coming online like Jedi and, um, you know, what that data is going to look like and what we can possibly do with it. So something I'm really excited about. It's, you know, this whole field very young. And so it's cool to be kind of a part of that and to see you know, these, these people who have basically helped create a new field and to be able to, like, hang out with them in a small English manor in the uh, English countryside and then go to the tiny little pub, which I believe is called the Manchester Arms. But then again, like, mm. every pub in, nice. every pub in England has a name like that. It's like the Prancing Unicorn or the, um, the Lancaster. Like, they're all just named that, and they're all black and gold, and they're all wood inside, and they all serve cask beer, which is really kind of flat. But they will tell you that it's the best beer in the world, and it's that's a debate I guess we could have. But <laughs> English breakfast. You could just say it. Are they wrong? I mean, you know, your your taste buds, I feel, are flavored from where wherever you come from, I guess. And, um, you know, if you only drink Bud Light, you probably think a really hoppy beer is really gross, right? And so if you drink a lot of really strong bitter beers maybe you're not as inclined to think a rather flat beer that smells a little musky is the best tasting beer. But, you know, it's their own. I, I feel like it that was, was a very British response. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the nicest way to say you didn't like that beer. <laughs> I still drink it. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> So what's well, weird, like cask beer, this is my understanding of it, right? You guys, I mean, you guys have probably had this, right? It's, you don't actually put like the CO2 is naturally occurring in it or something. Like you, it's not pressurized. Like it's in a wooden cask and you pump it like into your cup or into your mug mm-hmm. or your flagon or whatever the hell you're drinking out of. And so that's what creates flagon. the head of like the beer there. <laughs> so it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's fine. It's good. Um, yeah, the people were amazing. I told you, I told you guys this before. When we first got out of the um, hotel in the morning. Someone bumped into us, and uh, you know, it said, "Oh, excuse me, a thousand pardons, sir," and like tipped his little bowler cap, and it was like the most British experience I could ever possibly hope to have. And it happened like the first thing, and that set the bar for the rest of the week, and it was amazing. So, um, yeah. Uh, so do you get a sense, you said that you were at sort of this manor house and it was near a very small town in the country or this small like village. Did you get a sense that the people in the village are like, oh my gosh, it's these freaking ecologists again? <laughs> or do they sort of embrace their quirky visitors? So so to look at you, right? So we were, we were northwest of London, about 40 or 50 miles, and it's a village of Chichley. And um, it was six, six buildings and... Um, Five of those were houses, and one of those were a pub. Um, so I'm pretty sure the people who worked at the pub were the only ones who lived in the village. And <laughs> I don't know. Like, the whole idea was, like, the, the Royal Society owns this mansion and estate. And the idea is you have small meetings there, and you bring a lot of people. You bring the people there, and you're basically on this estate. So you have to talk to each other. You have to interact. And this pub is, like, five minutes away, like a walk through a excellent like cobblestone field with like a hedgerow on either side and sheep sheep everywhere and so like it's picturesque no matter what time of day it is right and you just walk over to the pub and you basically stay until they kick you out which is like 10 o'clock so it's not like you can stay like real late but um they were tolerant i think they appreciated the business so well that's good yeah they apparently had excellent They had excellent yeah. mutton, but I never I never got to eat at the pub, but apparently the mutton was to die for. So What'd you think of the rest of the food? Uh pretty bland. It was not, not great, not a good experience. Uh, 
English breakfast is good though. Like I said, we'll we'll stick for that. I'll take a, <laughs> I'll take a rasher of bacon any day of the week. So, Marmite is not. I don't know those tomatoes. Like, you didn't those like tomatoes. You didn't like the tomato. I I am a fan of tomatoes, but there was just something about it being on my breakfast plate that I was not a particular fan of. The beans and the mushrooms, though, that's where it's at. The that's beans true. are good, yeah. What about the brown bread? Do you like brown bread? Dude, we're both gluten-free. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You can't have the... Oh. It's really just wheat bread. It's just more fun to call it brown bread. Can you eat Marmite? Um, I don't I, know. I'm Googling that right now. It's autolyzed yeast extract. Depends on what the yeast is growing on. Interesting. You're not missing anything. Here we go. I'm just curious. Is Marmite gluten-free? We will ask Google. It's... Oh, interesting. Is it vegan? Um... Oh, it's usually considered safe to be included in a gluten-free diet. Well, now we know. All right. Next time I have the opportunity, <laughs> I will investigate a little you further, can't... but then I will try Marmite. Apparently, you're supposed you to mix have it. the bread. You're supposed to mix it with um, uh, some type of fig or jelly or, or marmalade or something, too. Um, don't eat yeah. just the Marmite on the rice bread. Okay. Or whatever you guys eat for bread. I guess you don't eat bread. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to diss your lifestyle. I'm just confused. And I feel like a small <laughs> child wandering in the wilderness right now. Are you feeling awkward and alone? Yeah, but that has kind of my normal state of being, so it's really difficult okay. to tell. So, small, we'll awkward, and alone. Only. The real topic of the conversation today is today is the launch, um, well, March 6th of the fifth annual March Mammal Madness, which, if you are not aware, is basically a tournament run started by Katie Hind uh, at the Arizona or Arizona State. I uh, should know that. She's at a university in Arizona. Um, she's pretty excellent. She started this basically because when she was in grad school, they used to really uh, like doing the NCAA brackets and filling those out. And one year she came across um, this bracket that had animals on it. And um, she's actually an anthropologist by training. But um, her in the lab got you know, printed this off and we're excited to have something with animals on it. And it turns out it was like 16 animals and it was like, which one was the cutest? And she immediately was like, Ew. after started getting this, was like, no, this is dumb. And she confiscated all of the, uh, the pieces of paper from her lab and said, give me an hour and I'll come up with something better. And she came out basically with this fully formed the first annual one or the inaugural um, set of this and it took off very 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 quickly after that so much so that even like I believe uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica now supports part of this and gives some teaching modules um, so does the was it the Mammal Society of America and a bunch of other people so this is one of the most popular science communication basically venues that you could possibly imagine at this point and also it's quite fun and um so how it works if you've um are american you've probably seen the ncaa bracket it's basically a bracket of 64 teams in the case of uh, the college bracket but for this it's 64 animals right and so it's broken up into four you know kind of uh, what do you call them uh, well, regions yeah, four regions there you go right so you have like and the animals, in this case, are seeded from 1 to 16. So the first, the top seed plays the 16th, the second plays the 15th, third to the 14th, and so forth and so on. Now, how this is a little different is each one of these, you know, basically they're all mammals, with the exception of the Gila monster. And how an animal wins is it basically defends its ground, right? So it doesn't have to fight this to death necessarily, though it can. That is totally a strategy. But what one has to take into consideration is the strategy of that animal, how it would interact with the other animal, basically defensive strategies. Does it have armor? Does it have giant teeth? What is the ground that it's fighting on? You know, a polar bear in a desert is going to be at a disadvantage. 
And so these are basically decided all ahead of time by a series of, I think, like 30 biologists, mammologists, and scientists at this point who debate all of these and have basically plotted this out. But they unveil it, um, you know, each battle basically through the month of March till you get to the final one. And so I believe, who has won in the past? I thought I had this written down, but I don't have it now. Um, uh, There's an elephant, hyenas, yeah, Sumatran rhino, yeah, the wolf of the tundra. Yeah, you got it. And so anyway, it's quite a lot of fun. So we thought today that we would kind of look at this bracket and kind of go through this and figure out. I think I've already filled one completely out and you guys have only had a chance to really kind of look at one. But you think you guys have favorites in mind? Absolutely. So Oh, I got some favorites. All right, but we got to do the wild card winner first. So this has actually already been fought, so I know the answer. But what did you, what right. do you guys well, go with? Absolutely, I'm picking Fisher. I was going to go Flying Squirrel. I went Snow Leopard because I had no idea what the battleground was. But apparently the Red Giant Flying Squirrel is actually the one that already won. How wow. is that possible? Fishers take on porcupines and win. Hold on, I'm looking they at are... well, The flying squirrel is giant the... and it's red and it flies. So, <laughs> I, I, I would love to see the reasoning because, I mean, fishers take on porcupines, <laughs> except for wolverines. They are like the biggest badasses of the Northwoods. They are terrifying. That's what I get. Maybe, maybe somehow the red giant flying squirrel got home court advantage and the battle took place in a treetop i suppose march madness is all about the cinderella stories so oh so so this year they they're putting everything up on youtube and they're also green screen they have green screen filming uh where they dress up in outfits and basically fight out this fight but if you want (laughs) the 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 wild card write-up is already on youtube that would make a boring. All right. That would make a boring podcast for us to watch a video. <laughs> <laughs> but, Isn't that what Mystery Science three, <laughs> Theater three thousand is? I missed that show. That's a good show. All right. So I know. Well, okay. Let's look at this region. This is the coulda shoulda region, right? So this region has um, the saber toothed cat in it. It has a Greek sphinx, uh, the Neanderthal hunting party. There's a baboon and a dire wolf in there. Um. But who do you, who do you guys have coming up? Is there is hold on hold on hold on back, back up for a sec. Yeah. Is it direwolf a real thing or is that just Game of Thrones? No, I think that's a real thing. All right, all right. I'm just all right. You guys you guys think about this. Basis here. Who do you have coming out of this bracket? Going to the final Man. roar. The final roar. That's a the great question. Roar. I'm going short faced bear. So. I looked these up with my kids today. Short-faced bear is terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's why I picked it. That's terrifying. Oh, so dire wolf is a, is a real thing. Late Pleistocene. I, I'm going to go giant armadillo. Ooh, Cinderella story right there. Well, you know, that's a lot of armor. That's a, that's a lot of armor. 14th If it's about ranked, standing man. your ground. That's huh? 14th ranked. Whoo. Yeah, yeah. I got that guy going down to the leopard seal, because leopard seals are insane. Well, where are they fighting? Are they fighting in leopard seals territory? Is it the higher-ranked team? Where is it? Uh, It's got to be the higher-ranked territory. That's, I mean, that's how I would do it. And, of course, whatever I would do should be the way it's done. Sure. (laughs) So. Okay, so we should, maybe, are we going to say that? That's going to be our rule? What's that? Whoever the higher ranked animal is, it's their home court advantage, in which case the giant armadillo is going to drown. I would assume so. But leopard seal can't okay. can't fight in the water. It's got to fight on the on the land. Yeah. But it's got to fight leopard seals pretty cold digs, right? I'm trying yeah. To, is leopard seal absolutely. arctic or antarctic? I guess either way it's cold. It doesn't really matter, does it? Mm. That's a great question, but it's it's not temperate, that's for sure. 
I think this is the whole actual point of this game Google. is that you actually learn. Yeah, so the leopard seals in the Antarctic. I'm trying to learn right now. Where do leopard seals live? Extra chilly. All right, so who did you have coming out of this, Jeff? Hey, did I lose you guys? Nothing. Jeff. All right, well, Jeff is no longer with us. Okay, so, but what about the saber-toothed cat here, John? How are you feeling about that? I think it's a good, it's a good battle, you know? It's got big teeth, if nothing else. Yeah, all right. I think I'm going to amend my previous statement, seeing as we've decided that the giant armadillo is not, is going to be fighting on the leopard seal's territory, and I'm going to go ahead and go with saber-toothed cat. It's for sure going to beat the giant flying red squirrel. Yeah, that seems like a foregone conclusion. Okay, I'm back. Which is just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, hey, welcome back. Sorry, my connection died. All right, so I had decided... I decided on Sabretooth Cat. John had picked the short-faced bear. And what were you going with, Jeff? I'm going with Neanderthal hunting party. Um, Because in real life, Neanderthal hunting party owned everything in there with the exception of Greek Sphinx, which I... Is that a real thing? That's not a real thing, is it? What is that? I have no idea. Okay, so if a Greek Sphinx, does it have magical powers? Yeah. Didn't it just ask riddles, though? Like, So it could confuse the other animals, is what you're saying. How magical can it be? Mythical creature, head of... Okay, it's exactly what I thought. Head of a human, body <laughs> of a lion. And the Neanderthals. Well, they're, I always imagine they would, when they get confused, they would get really angry and do the Neanderthal thing. Did I lose you guys again? No. Nope. Okay, we're good. Still I was worried there. We're just, we're just waiting, we were just for, waiting you for you to say something profound. I, no, I think that I mean I think that Neanderthals will just wail up on them, right? I mean they can take out they took out mastodons and everything else. I think they can own a Greek Sphinx. Right. I guess. I guess I should ask, how big is this party? You know, are we talking three, okay. five? Um, I think a Neanderthal. I don't know anything. It was how many people were in? How many in a Neanderthal hunting party? my own research here and um and you know i think a Neanderthal party is bigger okay i'm i gotta say i'm a little surprised that a giraffe was ranked as number four in this region yeah i don't understand that. what I mean, advantage that, that does a giraffe like, have i think that's that's mammal yeah. i think that's um uh bias on the part of the committee and yeah i disagree with that ranking as well Leopard at number 12? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Trap's got a pretty big neck, though. Like, you'd think it could figure out how to use that for something But good. that's just more target. I mean, I know they use them and they swing them like clubs when they're fighting other giraffes. But if it was fighting a baboon, like, that's just a giant target. Yeah, baboons are pretty ridiculous, too. Um, they're pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one's out. fossilized, so... <laughs> all right so so we've each picked our 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 winner out of that bracket okay i'm I'm gonna write these down okay john who did you have i got the short-faced bear short-faced bear okay grace you had smile on saber-toothed cat and i got neanderthals all right so what about the adjective animals Okay, so this one features the spectacled bear, the sack-winged bat, spotted skunk. There's a pangolin in there, capuchin, a batong, wombat, armadillo, a rat, fox, another maned wolf, red squirrel, sloth, a linsing, clouded mm. leopard, and silky anteater. Okay, I'm just going to say right off the bat, I last year we were in costa rica and i watched a white-faced capuchin like eat the face of another white-faced capuchin right in front of me (laughs) and i firmly believe that this animal 
could take over the human race. And so that is absolutely my pick. I'll go ahead and write Like, that eat the face of another capuchin. We will post the photo. I took a photo. We will put it on the website. Behind, like, a graphic, you know, warning, graphic image. So so my, my six-year-old picked the sack-winged bat out of this category. His logic was that bats suck blood, and that's fearsome. He was like, I'm, he's like, yeah, that's it. I, I was like, not all bats suck blood. He's like, no, they do. And, uh, <laughs> you're wrong, Dad. And six-year-old so ecologist. I'm gonna pick, six-year-old ecologist. I'm going to pick the bat. I was like, all right, cool. So, yeah, I'm going with the clouded leopard here. Um, not just because it looks really cool, but also because it's a giant huge carnivore with huge sharp claws and it's um, obviously this appears to be the jungle right like where we're fighting here um, and I it could, the, the leopard has an easy path too right like a silky anteater what's that that's lunch that's what that is that's really a snack okay. and then this linsing <laughs> the sloth thing the linsing is going to roll over the sloth and then either one of those is going to get crushed by the clouded leopard a maned wolf is like, what, 20 pounds, 30 pounds? Nothing. The only competition yeah. is going to be that capuchin or a spectacled bear. Which, a spectacled bear is not really much anything anyway. Mm-mm. That That's another ranking. That's like Kentucky. Um, in the Or not really Kentucky, but like Kansas or somebody. No offense, John. Like when you get to the NCAA, they'll have like four or five losses. But they'll be like, here's like a pity ranking. Spectacled bear at one is a travesty. That's wrong. So, Alright, I'm going to ignore what you just said about Kansas getting a pity ranking because we're the best team in the country. Oh. And I'm going to take the main wolf. Main wolf? Actually, it's, it's UVA who's going to get a pity ranking this year. <laughs> so. True story. Um, I can't believe the hairy-nosed wombat was... I, I Apparently wombats are also supposed to be fierce, but they're about one of the most adorable animals in the world. If you've never Googled, like, hugging a wombat before, do yourself a favor and do that. It'll make your day. Google what? How much? Google, like, hugging a wombat. Like, pictures of wombats (laughs) hugging humans. And it's going to make your day. I'm not sure it's going to get past the armadillo, you know? Yeah, no. Apparently, they're supposed to also have some fierceness to them, but I just think they're adorable. The armadillo no, would just give it leprosy, but... and it will die slowly. Oh, and the armadillo is bigger. Disease it's got warfare. That armor. Yeah. The wombat, though, is fierce. I have the wombat beating the capuchin and then losing to the spectacled bear. I, it ate its face, Jeff. It ate its face. <laughs> But a wombat. The capuchin points for agility on that one. Let me give you my logic here. Is a wombat lives in like Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't be a pushover and live in Australia. I mean. That's true. Everything wants to kill you there. Yeah. Either that or you're just like. They usually kill you by poison. Constantly. Yeah. Well. If platypus right. were on here, I would go platypus all the way. But, okay, so we got John, you have maned wolf, Grace, you have capuchin, and I got clouded leopard. Yep. What about desert adapted? So here, ranked number one is the honey badger. Honey. Who doesn't care? There's a, a marsupial mole, a meerkat, the gila monster. How do you actually say that? I say Gila. Okay. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't know I if I'm Gila. right either. Hey, I got okay, a question you're for probably, you guys. That, that... Un, un, unrelated question here. The province in Canada where Montreal is, how do you pronounce that? Quebec. Yeah, what John said. What do you say? I say Quebec, so... I just got you know corrected by my family today. I was just curious to make sure that I wasn't crazy. But anyway, okay, so yeah, go ahead, continue, please. I'm not, now you got to tell us what your family said. 
my son says Quebec because he does it just to annoy us. But um, it was basically if it's a qua or cuh. And uh, oh, yeah. we don't. We have really interesting conversations around the dinner table. I don't know if other families do that. I don't know if you guys have that experience. But um, I don't have school-aged children to make them more lively. Yeah. And mostly I'm thankful for that. Do you ever have, you know, <laughs> kids just make things more random and it's just interesting. They increase your entropy? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, here's another ranking. The the Saiga. Like, that's the antelope with the really like weird inflatable nose, right? It looks like an elephant seal crossed with a gazelle. Three? Oh yeah. What? What is that? He is going to get owned, Do they have... owned by the hedgehog. Calling that right now. Yeah, but look at the size differential. But he's got that giant nose that the hedgehog is just going to like go to town on. <laughs> and you may not know this, but hedgehogs are really fast. I believe that. That's what that video game. This is one's got on. long ears. How fast they are! Yeah, so you can hear him coming, and then it just ball up. And uh, I used to have a pet hedgehog, so that's probably where I have the hedgehog going deep, like going real deep. <laughs> the hedgehog is Butler, is what I've named that hedgehog because he's going deep. So. All right. Okay, I could, I could see it getting past the sand fox. See, because it's just got to scare it off, right? Like the Sega or the Sandfox are going to come like bump onto it and the hedgehog is just going to roll up and he's got it. I mean, as long as it's not taking place in a, you know, the Arctic or something, that battle, he's good. Just saying. Yeah. I, think, I think the honey badger is the one that comes out. But Yeah, it seems like it's got to, you know? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to look at some of these other ones and decide if I can think of any of them beating. Definitely not the sand cat. You know, the Gila monster uh, is, is venomous. So there is that. It is. Um, is that the one I'm thinking of? Where are Gila monsters? Just a wild Gila monsters are. So I don't know. What's that? The Wanako is just a wild llama. The the two seed down at the bottom. Yeah, and it's adorable too. I don't see how that got a two seed. Apparently, maybe it's just like, you know, people underestimate deer, but like deer because they can, they can kick so violently, like they can actually do a considerable amount of damage. So I'm assuming that's probably the thinking there with the Saiga and the the Guanaco. Like maybe. Um, yeah. Their actual well, attack apparently strategy. A teaspoon of Wanako blood contains four times as many red blood cells as a human. So that's pretty fucking cool. Oh, is that because they live <laughs> at such high elevations? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, okay. Wikipedia. All right. <laughs> now you know what to dope with. Um, yeah. So, is that in the, what we have in the is desert, inter- though? Mm. Well, that's where they live, you know? High altitude, desert. I mean, this thing can go all day. So, with the upper uh, part of the bracket here, we have honey badger versus a marsupial mole. So, I think we're all going honey badger there, right? Oh, yeah. And then, a a meerkat versus a Gila monster. And we're going Gila monster there? I'm going the monster. I'm going monster, So, that means we have honey badger versus Gila monster. I feel like the... I I don't know what to do there. I I may be totally making this up, but I feel like... Maybe I'm confusing the honey badger with the mongoose, but isn't the, the honey badger somewhat immune... Or at least has a higher tolerance for. Is this just the? This is what the YouTube video has led me to believe. It does not give a shit. Yeah, I think yeah. I think maybe we have. I don't know. I have the honey badger going all the way to the final roar out of this bracket, and I I wonder how much of that is just shaped. Oh, yeah. What's this artwolf badass? You know the air that is the the, the honey badger. It's an has. insectivorous mammal that lives in east and southern Africa. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick Ooh. with it because I know it's pretty fearsome. I, I don't know. Is that even going to get by the polecat? But I feel less cats are fierce. Yeah, I I doubt it. I think I'm going to go. 
I'm gonna go Gila Monster though. Because I think it's it's got both the defense and the offense going for it, with the honey badger has more just the defense. John, did you decide on one? I'm trying to oh man. I feel like it's got to be the honey badger. I mean, Jeff's already taken it, so if we're, you know, playing the betting game, then maybe that's not the wise choice, but I just... Maybe it's just because it has a YouTube video about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, same here. So what's, right. you guys, what's your call? Is just do it. Honey Commit. Alright, I'm... I'm going honey badger. I'm going Gila monster. Oh, okay. Okay. It's bold. It's it's how I feel. Alright, so um now we're going to the two animals one mammal bracket. Uh the the convention here is basically like number one rank is bear cat going against the shrew mole and then raccoon dog, which you've never seen pictures of, totally Google that. It's like trash panda, trash corgi, trash something. It's a weird looking animal. It's like a fat raccoon. A tiger quoll, which I don't even know what that is. The otter civet, antelope squirrel, spider monkey kangaroo rat. Um, then on through hog badger, deer mouse, hog deer, squirrel monkey, leopard cat, and the grasshopper mouse. Do you guys wow. have any favorites oh, coming out of here? Looks like. I'm bear cat. Yeah. I'm I'm feeling pretty strongly about the bear cat. It's carnivorous. It's a beast. <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued by this. Um it's also known as the Binturong, by the way. Again, thank you, Wikipedia. Yes. Oh. What's a raccoon dog though? It, it's like it, a fat it, raccoon. What? It it's is. like a corgi. It is, it's a raccoon it's like cross a corgi with a corgi. Raccoon. I don't see how that would be. I don't know what a tiger qual is, but it might as well be a jerboa. It's not. A, it's not exciting looking. Yeah. Oh, go back to the other one. Did you Google jerboa? No. Yeah, Google that real quick. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> so it's like a kangaroo crossed with a mouse. Yeah. With really, really big ears. He would still whoop. He that's, would, that's kind of frightening looking, to be honest with you. He would destroy a raccoon dog, I think. But Yeah. Whatever, man. Absolutely. Millions, millions of years of evolution somehow chose the raccoon dog to do its thing, so... It must be kind of working. Um... So my thought process so, on this region was basically the same as the honey badger YouTube thing. I was thinking, like, what's the most fearsome animal that I can relate here? And so I immediately thought of Talladega Nights, and where he's like, "You come at me like a spider monkey." So I was like, "Well, spider monkey." Then that's my whole logic because I don't know <laughs> any of these animals really except for spider monkey and raccoon dog. So I went spider monkey. All right. I'm going oh, bearcat. That's my... John? Yeah, I'm, going... I'm bearcat all the way. Yep. Now we get to the Ooh. point in the bracket, whether it's basketball or mammals, where I'm just going with the rankings. So who, who's your who's your overall winner then? Or who's your championship? Uh, oh, the, my championship game is going to yeah, be, let's say, I, a white-headed capuchin versus... Uh, Gila Monster. That's what it's going to be for me, and it's going to be the Capuchin. I'm going Bearcat, Short-Faced Bear. Bearcat is the winner. (laughs) So I have Neanderthal Honey Party versus the Honey Badger, with the Neanderthals winning. Um, Not the cutest choice, but I think that's how it's going to play out. I feel pretty good about that. All right. I feel pretty good about that. Good luck. So, how long will it take for them to release the the winners? So it's um, there's 
uh, a great website that Katie Hine runs called mammalssuck.blogspot.com. Uh, the name comes from the fact that she studies the, the milk for mammals, so mammals suck, as in mammals suck milk. But she has a time frame on there. And so I'm looking at that real quick here, bringing that up. Um, so tonight was the wild card matchup, which is the Red Squirrel 1. And so the the 8th and the 9th. On the 8th will be round 1, will be the adjective animals. And then um, March 9th will be round 1, the desert. So Wednesday and Thursday at 8.30. And uh, how this is decided is there's a series of 15 tweets that come out from uh, uh, the... I don't actually know which... I guess it's Katie's Twitter page that sends it out. There's a lot of comments on it, but if you want to follow it online and only get the battle, there is a website or a Twitter handle at 2017MMMLet'sGo, and that Twitter account is basically a Twitter bot that will tweet out the live tweets starting at 8.30 that only concern the battle so you don't get all of the commentary. And then there will also be a YouTube video that comes up each night. Uh, week two, we'll have the round one of the coulda shittas and the two to one animals. And then uh, that Thursday, we'll have the first round two with the winner of the adjective versus the desert. And then round two the next week, and then the Sweet 16, all divisions. And then eventually, the final roar games will be March 27th, and the championship will be on March 29th. So you can play right. through the entire month, and uh, we'll give uh, we can give updates or updates on how our brackets are personally doing. I put mine up earlier tonight, and I may put my kids up as well too because they had a lot of fun going through this, and um, their logic was very interesting at times. From bat suck blood to well, I just read a book about that animal, so that animal's gonna be awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. I tried to convince them about the Neanderthal hunting party, and they weren't having it either. So, <laughs> the Irish elk, by the way, is brutal looking, and uh, that's my dark horse out of that. If it's not the Neanderthal, it's the Irish elk. All right. So yeah. So, oh wow! Yeah. Fun game. I think I think we already learned a lot just in forty-five minutes. We did. <laughs> so, and I, so I there's, like there's a point a, scoring. Yes, yeah, so you get one point for every round one that you get right. Um, two points for every round two, three for three, five points for the fourth round, and then you um, the points go up from there. So you get eight points each for the um, round five winners and 13 points if you pick the champion. So it's like a tiered scoring system like a lot of the NCAA bracket pools run. And uh, So yeah. You guys should fill it out. We should see how we all compare to each Excellent. other. Our total Will score. Do. Put it up and see. And I'm just going to look up what a bilby is because a bilby's on here and I don't know what the hell that is either actually now after we went through this. I just assumed the Tibetan sand fox would win that because I don't know. He's from Tibet. What is it? Have you looked it up? I'm not. It'll crash my internet again because my internet is awful. Um, yeah, so it's po- rabbit-based. It's rabbit-based? Is it really adorable? It's rabbit-like. Like, um, um, you know, it's mildly adorable. It's It's got a it face like of mother could adorable? love. No. Those are the no. best. <laughs> the Bilby is not going to win any beauty pageants. We'll put it that way. <laughs> We want to make an inclusive tournament, though. That's true. Apparently, there was one year where the the panda was the villain, and uh, upset a lot of uh, uh, battles. Because there's apparently multiple ways you can win this as an animal. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to learn more about this. I think it's a fun game. So. Absolutely, I'm glad we did it. Yep, gonna crush. When does the actual NCAA like, basketball brackets come out? Is that Sunday? I think that's right. Uh, I think it is Sunday, yeah. It, it's it, kind of got to be. Yeah, they used to like Selection Sunday, so. 
that'd be less exciting now in, in retrospect. That's true. But hopefully all of our universities have teams that'll be included. I don't I know. Is GCU going to get in the tournament this year? You know, they might. They might. I have been waiting um, for all the, uh, the universities that I've ever been affiliated with to be in the tournament at the same time, and it hasn't happened yet. It's come really close, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, and I don't think this. What about Western Carolina? So, so I have to. It would have to be. So UVA would have to get in, but UVA would get in. VCU used to almost always get in, but then UNC Asheville basically has to win their championship to get in, and as does Western Carolina. And they're in different divisions, or not different, or different conferences. So it could happen, um, but it hasn't happened yet. So hmm. I'm pulling for that. That'll be interesting. That's the dream. Does does either Gettys, does Gettysburg run a basketball program that can get in? Like, do they qualify, or is it like Division Two? They're Division Three. Oh, Division Three. Okay. Yeah, we're we're D three, so we uh, okay. <clears throat> cannot make the the March Madness tournament. Although I think we have made the D three tournament relatively recently. But you could feasibly have Kansas, VCU, and UVA in. That would be pretty pretty easy. And Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State would get in. Oh, yeah, you Iowa were talking State. about for John. Oh, I was just done? really yeah. excited about Iowa State being good at a sport. Sorry. My bad. Yeah, Iowa State, <laughs> I, I'm like pretty certain we'll get in. Oh, man. I, I will discuss this more in the fall, but Iowa State's football is abysmal. Like, we thought Virginia was bad. Holy crap. <laughs> Friends of mine have season tickets. Oh, God. <laughs> they must really enjoy drinking at tailgates because I don't know why else you would go. Girls and pearls, yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. Oh, my gosh. All right. Cool. All right. Do you guys have anything to add on anything in the world? Grace, how is Get Out the no. Science going? Yeah, so Get Out the Science is going pretty well. Um, we had a big push at the Aslo meeting. It's starting to pick up some steam online. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to getoutthescience.org. Or you can check out the hashtag getoutthescience um, online to find out more information. Excellent. Thanks for letting uh, me plug March that. is also uh, like National Podcasting Month or something. So... Um, we would appreciate it if you're listening to this right now make a recommendation to a friend and say hey try a podcast out if they don't know what podcasts are tell them what they are if they don't know how to figure out how to listen to them help them how to, you know, figure out how to listen to it and then suggest us and there are a lot of other good ones you can suggest as well but we're kind of partial to ours um, so I guess with that do you guys have anything else? No, sir. Nope. Cool. Go check out Get Out the Science. Order the t-shirt because so many of them have to sell before I can get mine, too. So I want you to do that so I can get mine. I'm selfish on that. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Out in the country, far from all the subtle noise of the city, there's a village green. It's been a long time. Since I last set eyes in the church 